Hey, this is Micah Thiessen from Millersburg, Indiana. Hey, this is Justin Brunicamp in Tucson, Arizona. Hey, this is Tanner Norman from Robertsdale, Alabama, and you're listening to Dad Tired Podcast. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lopes. Join me every Monday as we dive into what it looks like to be men who fall in love with Jesus and help our families do the same. You can learn more about our books, resources, conferences, and even online community by going to dadtired.com. Let's dive into today's episode. That last little intro from our Dad Tired community member Tanner in Alabama reminded me to remind you that we're actually going to be in Alabama this coming weekend doing a Dad Tired conference. Uh, if you have not signed up for that and you live in Montgomery or Birmingham or anywhere within a few hours drive and you want to come hang out with us and just learn more of what it looks like to be a man who falls in love with Jesus and leads his family well, man, we would love to have you. The best way to like get connected to buy some tickets for this, I know this is a little bit last minute. Hopefully you've heard about it on the, the Facebook group before you're just hearing about it for the first time. But if you are hearing about it for the first time, go to dadtire.com and then click the conferences tab and you'll see the Thorsby Alabama conference that we have September 13th, 2020. We're going to start at 1045 a.m. And uh, that's a Sunday. And so we'll be spending the day Uh, Again, just talking about what it looks like to be a man who leads his family well. The price of that admission is $25, and that includes lunch and uh, the devotional that we go through and uh, the the time together with the guy. So anyway, it's going to be awesome. I'd love to meet you again if you're anywhere in that area. Come hang out with us over there. Um, But I do want to get into today's episode. I'm so excited. We have comedian Michael Jr. on. If you're not familiar with him, the guy is absolutely hilarious. But I'm telling you in all sincerity, today's interview will probably have you in tears from laughter and tears from just like the powerful truths that Michael is going to share with you. So it's a really powerful interview. I I was caught off guard by the amount of times that I was like getting choked up uh, after laughing so hard. So uh, it's going to be a fun one today. But before we dive into that, I do want to thank my friends over at Grassroots Co-op for sponsoring today's episode. I've told you about them before but I'm just such a huge fan of high quality, good meat. I, I'm a I'm a big believer in like giving our kids and our family just the best quality food. We have chickens. I just got chickens. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram at all, you may have seen that I uh, this was a big deal for me. I grew up in the city and then I moved out in the country and I got chickens. So I feel way out of my league, but I got four chickens and they just started to lay eggs and we've been eating these fresh eggs. And I will just tell you, man, there is a difference There's like a big difference between a farm fresh egg and an egg that you buy at the store. Everyone told me that's true, Um, but man, the, the taste is different. The color is more vibrant, and there's just something different about like knowing that you've taken care of that animal and you fed it good food and it's walking around free ranging and pooping in your yard and all that stuff. The whole process is just better. And uh, that's why I like Grassroots Co-op. If you're a big meat eater like me, I like to like grill a lot. I've been grilling a lot lately and we've been eating a lot of meat. And I'm just uh, like, I want to know where that animal was from. Uh, and that might sound a little bit Portlandy, but I just, I'm a big fan of like making sure that the meat is, is high quality and the animals are well taken care of. And I want to know that these farms are just high, like they, they've got the highest standard. And, and so that's, again, why I trust grassroots co-op you can actually show up to any of their farms and uh, and you can see what's going on they're not hiding anything they're not doing any shady things the the way that they treat the farmers is good the way that they treat the animals is good like everything that they're doing is just the highest standards which in return is going to give you the highest quality best tasting meat and the food that's going to actually be the most nutritious for you and your family um so again big fans of what Grassroots Co-op is doing. I do think that they have the highest quality food out there. It's going to be straight from the farm to your table and you know that you're giving your family the best. You can actually use the promo code DADTIRED. That's all one word, DADTIRED, and you'll get $40 off your first order of $160 or more. Plus, they're going to give you free shipping. And uh, we'll put a link in the show notes so that you can just click that and go straight to their website. But it's shop.grassrootscoop.com forward slash discount forward slash dad tired. I know that's a lot to remember. So again, we're going to put that in the show notes link there. So you can just click it and get $40 off your first order of $160 or more. Again, the highest quality meat straight from the farm to your table. That being said, let's dive into today's episode with comedian Michael Jr.
I get to travel the world doing comedy, bringing laughter to people. But what I'm really called to do is to comedically inspire people to walk in purpose. Mm. Like comedy is just a vehicle. It is not the destination. Mm. That's what I, that's what I clearly know. God has been saying to Michael Jr. For quite some time now. I w- on that note, at what point did you realize like your, what you're trying to do? Like when did it become clearer for you what you're actually trying to do beyond just comedy? Well, I can give you the almost the moment, man. So I was performing at a club in Los Angeles, and I've had some success at this stuff, you know, by a lot of people's standards. You know, I've been on The Tonight Show a few times, Comedy Central, did TED Talks, some really cool stuff. But, it, but people always ask me, what was your big break? And my big break was really, um, people were like, was it The Tonight Show? Was it Jimmy Kimmel? Oprah or whatever. And the big break, dude, was outside this club in Los Angeles and it's completely different than what anybody would think. Mm. So right before I got on stage, I, uh, I'm about to go on stage at this club. And right before I did, I did a prayer, a little prayer. I don't pray every time. It's not like a religious. I just felt like, hey, I'm going to talk to God before I go up. Mm. And, I, and, and I felt like God said to me, instead of going up there to get laughs from people, which is what all comedians do, we're going up there to get laughs. And that's the question we're asking even when we get on stage. So he said, instead of going to get laughs, I want you to go up there and give them an opportunity to laugh. Mm. Now that seems very small, just a change of the spelling of the word begins with a G, but it changed everything because now I'm not looking to take, I'm looking for an opportunity to give. Mm. I remember getting on stage that night and I was so much more relaxed. Like it was so much more because, and I realize now when you have a gift, your job is to present the gift. Mm. It's not even about how people respond to it. It's really about just offering the gift. So I go up on stage and we have a great time. And I remember leaving the club and we're outside and people were, uh, most of the time when I leave this club, people want autographs or buying merchandise or, or uh, we're taking pictures and I leave the club. It's the same thing. But this time when I left the club, I saw a homeless guy across the street while I'm taking pictures with these people. Mm. And I thought to myself, what about him? How could I give him an opportunity to laugh? Now, here's the thing. I had never seen a homeless guy outside this club before, ever. Mm. But that doesn't mean he wasn't there before. That just means before I was asking the question, how can I get laughs from people? But when I started asking the question, when I started asking a different question, I noticed him. And I was like, what about him? How could I give him an opportunity to laugh? Mm. And that understanding really changed the trajectory of my comedy career. I still get to do the TV shows and we just did a movie and all of that fun stuff, but I'm asking a different question Mm. and it is, and therefore I'm getting different answers and it's really changing the game. That's powerful, man. I'm thinking of the guy who's like an accountant or he's, you know, he's mowing like, you can hear my daughter screaming in the background. That's why it's called dad tired, bro. You're going to hear just my family. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's just screaming in the background. You just cool with that. Like, I'm whatever. Just, <laughs> I'm talking to people about how to be a better dad. I'm, Leave me alone, little I'm the only one here <laughs> okay. too. That's what's crazy. You know, I'm the, just <laughs> about the, that's not true. That's not true. That is awesome. <laughs> my wife's awesome. out there. I promise. <laughs> Don't call child yeah, protective You're just going to yell out. <laughs> You just gonna yell, I ain't your real daddy. Leave me alone. Anyway. <laughs> that should be oh, awesome man. on this show. That'd be great. That'd be dope. That's well, go ahead. Yeah, you were saying the encounters. Yeah, what I mean, whatever a, a, whatever the guy is, whatever he's doing for work, I I mean, taking that perspective, like, all right, here's the gifts God's given me and how do I use these gifts, not just to take from wherever I'm at, whether that's an organization or I'm you know, self employed, whatever I'm doing, but how do I actually give? Um, bro, I imagine that would be like, like you just said, a game changer as far as the way that you start to view it. Is. So let me get it is. So let me give everybody listening a, a practical example. Yeah. Um, if everyone, wherever you are right now, wherever you're listening, um, I want you to look around the room you're in and tell me how many how many things that you see that are uh, red. The color red. Just count as much red as you can around the room. Any red that you see. Just all the red that you see. I'm doing it right now. I am colorblind, so this is an especially hard challenge, but all right. (laughs) (laughs) So all the red that you see. Now, if you're not driving right now, close your eyes for a beat and tell me, just close your eyes and tell me how much, how many items in the room that you saw that were blue. Hmm. No clue. how, How many did you see with your eyes closed? Yeah. No clue. Okay, open your eyes now. Now, how many items do you see that are blue right now? A ton. 
Yes. I'm looking at uh, because before yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What do you see? No, I'm I'm looking at my desktop. It's got a bunch of blue on it. I just looked over in my closet. I got some printer paper and blue wrapping. Uh, yeah, stuff I would have never caught before. Exactly. So when I said look for the uh, the red, you started noticing the red. But when I change it and ask a different question, I ask you how much blue do you see? With your eyes closed, you didn't even recognize the blue. Mm. So by default, we always ask the question, what can I get? That's what I was doing as a comedian. Yeah. How can I get last? So I'm only looking for opportunities to get last. But if you ask a different question, you're going to see different things. So whether you're an accountant or whether you're a mechanic, whatever you do, if you ask the question, what can I give? Literally, your brain cannot not answer that question mm. for you. It's going to start looking around. And the brain... With the Holy Spirit, the answers are going to show up. Mm. So whether I was talking to a mechanic one time at my show, and I was like, what do you do? And he said, well, I'm a mechanic. And then we did this little conversation I'm having right now. And at first, I said, so what does that mean? You're a mechanic. This is what I said at first. He said, it means I get paid to fix vehicles, people's cars. I told him to ask a different question. And then by the end of our conversation, this is live during my comedy show. Mm. He stood up and he said, you know what, Michael? I realize I'm, I actually help ensure that people reach their desired destination. Wow. That right there will change. That'll cause you to, to put your alarm clock out of business. The other will cause you to hit the snooze. Mm. So what I'm saying that right now, there's a lot of guys listening right now, and you've been asking a question of what can you get, and that's all you're seeing the answer of. But if you change it, if you say, what can I give to my kids? How can I be? What, what can I give? You're going to start to see blue. And here's one more little note. If you look around the room you're in right now and look at some of that red, was all of it really red? Or was some of it kind of uh, almost red? Yeah. Well, bro, you're, again, you're asking a colorblind guy, so I'm not sure. But it, so, Yeah, that is true. Well, trust me. Red. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> yeah. Some of it, there's shades of, okay, this is a different podcast. I didn't know we were, <laughs> you got shades of green. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so some of it, chances are some of it is burnt orange. Some of it is kind of red yeah. because you just, you, you start to compromise because you're trying to get, you're trying to hit the goal. Mm. So change the goal. And then the compromise will be different because you're asking, what can I give? And maybe it's not right in line with your purpose, but you're still giving. So it's going to take you to another level anyway. Mm. So just flip it. Use your, your mind uh, for you as opposed to against you and the people around you. That's powerful. Bro. I know that was way deep no, for a comedian. No, I know. Oh, just, yeah. Well, I think that's what, I mean, makes you stand out. Obviously you're hilarious, right? You, you, you've proven that in just your reputation and track record, everyone that's wants you to be on their stage, making people laugh. But you have this, like, uh, I think what, what draws people to you is this ability to take laughter, like you said, as a vehicle, but the destination isn't just to laugh. You're actually, you're pointing people to a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious, man, like what was your childhood growing up? Like, did, did your dad help shape that in you? Like what shaped that in you? What's your relationship with your dad? Like, I know I asked like 10 questions in that one question, but, uh, take it. Yeah, no, my, my relationship with my dad is, my relationship with my dad is awesome, man. Mm -hmm. I love that guy. And he was, he was a hundred percent perfect because he was not perfect at all. Mm. Like it was. And and I always tell people your dad. And I, a lot of times I've never, obviously I've never met everybody's dad before, but I can tell you right now he did, uh, he did everything he possibly could mm. to be the best dad he could. Even if you never met him before, I'm just telling you he has because Anyway, that's a completely different conversation. So my well, relationship well, with my dad no, let's go, is great. Let's go there because I that's uh-huh. going to be hard to hear. Like my okay. dad bailed when I was three. So and there are going to be a lot of dad right. or, or a lot of guys listening to that that are going to that's going to be confusing to them. So what do you mean by that? Unpack it. Okay, so let's jump in. So so your dad bailed when he was when you, had you met? Have you seen him since he, three yeah, years old? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then how, what was his dad like towards him? completely absent. He hates his dad or his dad died. You know, my grandpa died. I never met my grandpa, but my dad speaks of him terribly. He hated him. Okay. So listen, so that's a great example. So your granddad was a miserable dad, completely, completely a hundred percent absent. Right. So your actual dad had no example of how to be there. That's right. So you could actually say that your dad had, I mean, he, he was struggling from the same exact thing that your grandfather was struggling from, which is to be around the kids, brought some sort of pain or some sort of hurt or whatever it was. But your dad, with all that strength he had, had the ability 
to actually stick around for three years mm. and be there. And his dad wasn't. Because what happens is we have a picture of what we think is perfect. And then if that dad doesn't fit into it, then we're wrong. I'll give you an example from my life. My dad used to cut my hair and it was miserable to me. Mm. Like if I move, he would get mad and yell at me. I actually mm. did a video and put it on YouTube about this. If I move, he would yell at me and my self-esteem got low and I couldn't stand him as a result of this. I'm talking about the slightest little movement. Mm. He would yell to the top of his lungs. Mm. And so I hated getting my hair cut. Like I couldn't stand getting my hair cut ever. And then um, I'm right around 16, 17 years old, I think. Or actually, it, was, it wasn't until I was like 20. And even to this day, if there's clippers around, and my dad would be like, ah, no, I just can't stand getting my hair cut by my dad. Mm. Then I talked to my uncle one day. And he said, um, he said, you ever know about how your dad got his hair cut? I was like, no, I don't know how the subject came up. I said, no. And he said, well, one day I walked into that. I walked in and this isn't, this isn't my dad's brother. This is uh, my uncle on the other side, on my mom's side. So he comes over to the house and my dad is 14 years old and his dad is drunk. And his dad, and my grandfather was always very violent too. So my dad, my grandfather is cutting my dad's hair. But every time my dad moved, he would take the clippers and bust them upside his head. Mm. So now my dad is sitting there having to sit perfectly still, tears and blood running down his face mm. while he's getting his hair cut by his drunk father. Mm. And now my dad, being as strong and amazing as he is, got to the point where all he did was raise his voice at me. Mm. That's it. He never put his hands on me like that. My dad's a doggone hero. Mm. He went through all that, and then he broke the chain and said, not my son. Mm. And, uh, and, he, and he raised his voice. Well, in the video I put on YouTube, is while I'm explaining the story, I'm explaining it while I'm cutting my son's hair, and we're laughing the whole time. Mm. Now, had my dad not done what he did and broke that chain, there's no way I would be able to laugh at my son's dad because that thing would have just carried on. My dad has done some stuff that's not great, but it's all about the story I'm telling myself around it. Mm. So I'm telling you, there, there's no man out there who's not doing the best that he possibly can. And you, and you can tell yourself any story you want to, but you get to choose what story you're going to tell. Everybody puts meaning. In fact, last, yesterday I talked to my daughter, and she's older, and she was kind of dealing with this a little bit. I said, anytime something happens, you attach a meaning to it, and you should decide Instead of attaching a negative meaning to it, why not attach a positive one? So I said, for example, and I stared at her for a little while, and I said, what am I thinking right now? And she said to me, you're thinking, really? That's what she thought. She thought I was thinking, really? You, that's what you think? And what I was saying in my mind while staring at her was, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Mm. And she read it as, really? You're not getting this? And I was like, you. I said, no, why not? Why not attach a better meaning to it? Because I was actually saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. Mm. So we get to choose what meaning we're going to attach to what. So there was, uh, one more example. There's a girl who had never met her dad before ever. And she thought that meant her dad didn't care about her. He's a loser. But she's never met him before. I said, well, listen, how do you not know that your dad's dad uh, sexually abused him? Mm. And he, every single day, wants to see you. He can't find you, but every day he gets on a bus, a Greyhound bus, and gets off at a stop, and he tries to get, he, he kind of knows where you live, he's on his way towards you, but he doesn't have the courage because he's afraid because of how he was abused when he was a kid. And he gets back on the bus and go home. What if every single day he gets on that bus to come to your house, but he just can't do it? Mm. Which story do you want? Like, which, which one is true, or which one do you, neither one, is necessarily true or false. It's all about how you want to look at it. And the Bible says to honor your parents. So I choose to honor my dad and, and create the best story possible. And it's true. Mm. I'm telling you, like I'm telling you, it is true. Nobody, everybody does the best they can, even if it doesn't line up to what somebody else's expectations are. I know that sounds crazy and wild, but if you wrap your mind around it, that's really what Jesus did. Jesus was like, mm. I see who you really are versus what everybody else is seeing. I see who you really can be. So that's all.
Man, you got me, uh, I'm all teary-eyed over here, bro. This is not the way that I expected the, <laughs> the interview with the uh, Michael <laughs> Jr., the comedian, to go, man. Dang, dude, that is powerful. Yeah. And, and it's really healing in a lot of ways. Even for me personally, I think it's going to be healing for a lot of guys to hear that, man. That is, yeah, so I, I, yeah. I, have a, I, have a, I have a new daughter. When I say new, I was, on a, uh, I was doing this, pro- this movie, pro- this thing that I was doing. And um, one of the young ladies on the set, uh, I think it was, it was a TV show. I believe one of the young ladies on the set, God just pulled me towards her. And her grandparents were there. And I do not know why. And then I just asked her uh, grandparents, I said, hey, is it okay if I stay in touch with her, but through you guys so we can stay connected? Because I just feel like God is doing something really cool. And the grandparents were in tears. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know the little girl's story outside of that. The grandparents looked at me and nodded their head, unable to bring words to it, in tears, and they shook their head yes. Wow. Now, this has been uh, some years now, and I'm, and we're like, we've flown out to Dallas. You hang out with our family. Like, we love, we call her on her birthday. Like, it's pretty awesome. But the other day we were talking and I realized that she was raised by um, her stepdad, who's a white guy. Her mom is uh, is white as well. And her dad, who she never met before, I didn't notice, is a black guy. Hmm. She never met him before and she had a void that was just fully, fully missing. And they, nobody could figure out how to fill that void for her. Hmm. Then I step in, not even knowing this. So the, the reason I bring that up is, I, and I was explaining to her, I said, your dad that you never met before, that brother has done the best he can. And even where he lacks, look what God has done. Mm. I just show up out of nowhere, not even knowing this. Like if you look around, you will find that God has felt that void in a significant way. But if you keep looking at, the, at what's missing, you'll never see what's in front of you. Wow. Anyway, I'm stuck. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. So um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I should do a joke or something. I just like no, find no, me some this, this joke. Good, Let me see man. if I got a new joke. About it. <laughs> <laughs> How, awesome. you, you've mentioned a couple times, even in our short time talking, just like these like promptings where you you know talked about being outside this club and you saw the homeless guy and like your perspective changed. You talked about this this uh, girl on the set that you just felt like kind of prompted. How much of like. I don't really know how to phrase this question, but I guess like I'm wondering how many times we miss opportunities that God is trying to point us towards. Like the Holy Spirit is in us and he's working and he's prompting us. And I guess how do you get to this, the, the spot where you're like obedient to those promptings versus just like shaking them off? Like even on that set, just being like, yeah, I'd probably be weird if I like talked to her grandparents and then like try to stay in touch. But you were you, like, even though that's a little bit uncomfortable, you went forward and now look what God's doing. Mm-hmm. It's like healing. I don't even know if that's a question, but you get what I'm saying there? It is. It is. So I, man, I heard a great line and uh, I'm going to just repeat it like it's mine. Okay. I don't, I refuse to negotiate with myself. Mm. What I mean is if I feel like I read a book called the 10 second rule too. If I feel like I'm supposed to do something nice for somebody, I try to do it within the first 10 seconds or I'm going to talk myself out of it. That's good. So as soon as I feel like I'm supposed to do something nice for someone, I just try to take some sort of action on it immediately. Otherwise, you'll start to negotiate your way out of it. Well, you know what? I shouldn't. Like one guy felt like this is is so weird. One dude felt like he was supposed to. Oh, let me say this. So I was doing a show in Canada and they were trying to raise $50,000 or something. And I don't know the detail. I'm just, I'm just headlining the show. Yeah. So I'm doing the show. It's in front of all these people. They do an auction. And I in this video, the video of this is actually on YouTube. Like it was all spontaneous. So, so I, I, I do the show, standing ovation. I walk off and I, and it's, it's almost over. And I feel a prompting that I should go out there and auction off one of my children's books. Yeah. Now, this is like, it's done, like when you get a standing ovation, leave. I mean, everybody like, you don't come back out. I know how this works, but I clearly felt like God said, go back out there. I'm like, nah, I don't. so I'll go out there and the lady's about to wrap up. Everybody got on these, uh, like it's a black tie event. She walks, I go tap her on her shoulder. She's like, Oh, 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 Michael's back. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Hey everybody. They start applauding. I said, listen, um, I feel like I'm supposed to auction off one of my children's books. So we go ahead and start, and they're like, okay, cool. And we do this live auction thing, and I'm cracking jokes in between, and we sell the joke. 
we sold a book for four thousand dollars. I feel great. It's awesome. I'm like, yes. We walk off. I walk back off stage, and I and literally the place standing ovation. And God was like, go sell another book. Hmm. I'm like, what? What do you? This is the greatest show at. Like, you. This is the best time to leave. This is the best time to leave. Why would I do this? People are late. They got to pick up their kids. These are all the thoughts I'm having. Yeah within that 10 seconds. So when I realized I was having these thoughts to not do something good for somebody, to not listen to what I know I'm supposed to do, as soon as I realized that, I turned and went and did it. I just started walking out on stage. Mm. And the lady was like, oh, Michael's back again. <laughs> and, I re- and, and I said, listen, you guys aren't going to believe this, but I feel like I'm supposed to auction off another children's book. So let's just start the bidding. So we start the bidding, and two people or one person bought a book, another book for $4,000. I'm all excited. I'm still holding a microphone. I get ready to put it in the stand and I pull the microphone back out and I kind of drop my shoulders and the place explodes in laughter. Mm. And then, cause they know I'm supposed to do another book. <laughs> like they know it now. Yeah. Dude, so I go ahead and I say, so guess what? And this guy and this lady who are not together, both stand up at the same time and say, we, I want a children's book for $4,000. Wow. We end up selling five children's books for $4,000 because just because, and, and it didn't make sense on paper. But as soon as you hear yourself, men, listen to this. As soon as you think you're supposed to do something nice for somebody and you hear yourself start to negotiate, stop negotiations immediately and take action towards doing that thing for someone else. Because if it's good, if it's good and it's going to help somebody, it's probably not the enemy telling you to do it. Right. So just do it. Soon as you hear yourself negotiate, well, she okay. I don't need to stop the car. I mean, she got a cell phone. You know, I mean, she looked pretty strong. She could change the tire. Like, no, no. Stop negotiating and do it. And I'm telling you the reward. And then you'll start to notice even more opportunities like that. That's right. And you'll see those opportunities when you ask a different question like, what can I give? It'll change the game. Man, you, you got me all emotional. Uh, I love that, man. And w- one thing I tell guys a lot too is practice obedience like that in the small things, you know, like the, t- the tiniest things. You, you, yeah. uh, I've, I've given an example before where I was like taking out the trash and I saw a, somebody had like spilled a little bit of trash next to the trash can. And I, the first thought is like, that ain't mine. Like <laughs> somebody else take care of it. Yeah. Uh, but I immediately thought like, man, I want to be obedient in the small things, like do the small things because, you know, this piece of trash doesn't really matter. But the big stuff does matter. And if I'm not good at being obedient in the little stuff, like there's no way I'm going to do it in the big stuff. So I love that. I love mm-hmm. the 10 second mm-hmm. rule, man. And then how did God use that moment? Because there was somebody driving by or something happened when they saw this random dude pick up some trash that wasn't necessarily his. I mean, God can use moments like that in a significant way that you may never know yeah. simply because you were obedient at the time. Even at the, when we auctioned off the book, there could have been a guy who spent, who is super cheap and his wife just can't stand the fact that he never spends money on anything. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, he was moved to buy a children's book for $4,000. And now their whole, everything has changed as a result of her seeing that generosity in her husband. There's no way how, there's no telling on how God will use your obedience. It's not just about the thing. It's the thing that happens after the thing as well. That's so good. The layers of like, we box that, that man, that's so good. I could just camp there for a while. Cause mm-hmm. that, that I, <laughs> I, I, you would just limit, like we think that God is not, <laughs> and it's so good. I'm going to like be hanging on that for a long time. The thought, the thought to be thinking that, you know, what I'm doing is like, that's the end of what God's doing. And just to know that like, oh my <laughs> right. gosh, there's so many layers to what God is doing oh, for so many goodness. people. That's, bro, that's that's it yeah. right there, man. That's good. And sometimes stuff. he'll bless us and let us see a layer or two. Right. But right. we just won't know the we just won't know the impact. And and uh and but unfortunately it works the other way around as well. So I'm just super, super uh just super excited about uh just what God does through us in a big way, man. So mm. Hey guys, you may have heard Michael mention that he uh, has read a book called The 10 Second Rule. 
uh, and how that's really helped his relationship with Jesus. And every time I hear somebody like that mention how they read books, I'm always like, how does a guy like you find the time to actually sit down and read a book as you're making movies and doing TV shows and comedy and all that? And for many of us young dads, it can be hard for us to actually sit down and read a book, which is why I've told you about before. One of my favorite apps on my phone is called the Blinkist app. Blinkist is unique and powerful. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. It gives you the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from over 3,000 nonfiction bestsellers in over 27 categories. Blinkist condenses them down into blinks, which you can either read or listen to in just 15 minutes or less. I personally like to read or listen to a couple books before I go to bed. Uh, We've had some authors who have been on the Dad Tired Show who actually have some books on Blinkist. The Ruth Elimination of Hurry, which is one of my favorite books of the year by John Mark Comer, and also Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker for us tired dads. Uh, When it comes to sleep, we can always get more info on that. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash tired to start your free seven-day trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership and up to 65% off audiobooks, yours to keep forever. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash tired to get 25% off a premium membership and a seven-day free trial. That's Blinkist.com slash tired. How, what has your relationship with Jesus been like? Like, did you grow up a Christian? When did, you, when did that happen? No, I didn't know Jesus until, uh, wait, what's today? Um, (laughs) I I didn't know, man, I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. My, my mom's parents was Jehovah witness. Mm. Well, kind of my grandmother was, my granddad was not. And then on the other side, my grandmother would force me to go to church for like, man, I don't know, six hours or something. Then we go in the basement and eat a sandwich and come back up. I'm like, this stuff is miserable. I didn't even know what football was until I was like 15 years old. Yeah. Like I didn't know the NFL existed. It was miserable. And then at 14 years old, instead of forcing me to go to church, my grandmother asked me if I wanted to go. Mm. And I was like, no, why would I go to church? There's some dude on stage. You got, and he always was trying to get that phlegm out of his throat. It's like the Lord said, I'm like, I don't understand what is going on at this. It was just horrifying. I just, my clothes didn't fit. So no, church was not, I didn't even know Jesus was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Literally. Mm. I didn't meet him until I left and went to New York City. Mm. Literally, I didn't didn't know. So now knowing this and understanding it, in fact, I got the, the way I got saved, well, it's the same for black people as it is for white people, but the way the circumstance was I was at a club in New York comic strip live performing and uh, Jerry and this dude named George Wallace walks in and sees that I'm funny and I'm clean. And he was like, dude, you should, I want you to do a show with me and my best friend. I get to the to the event. It's, I didn't know who his best friend was. I was just excited to be doing a show with doggone George Wallace. Mm. I get to the show. It's me, him and Jerry Seinfeld. Oh my God. I was like, snap. <laughs> so, I get a, so then I do a show with them. I get two standing ovations and just rip and I'm brand new in town mm. and I just rip it up standing ovations. And then after the, the show, the club manager walks up to me and says, Michael, you want to go to church with me tomorrow? I was like, church, man, back up. I just got two standing <laughs> ovations. I ain't going to church. Buzzkill. Because church was for creepy people, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This stuff was weird. What are you doing right now? And church was for weird people who would be screaming and yelling and, mm. and all that stuff. I was like, I ain't going to church. And plus, or church was for somebody who was on drugs. Mm. or they Because that's what they would always say on the test. I was on drugs and I found Jesus. Oh, right. I was like, Jesus, was that a crack house? <laughs> how did that happen? I don't know how that worked. Or, or they would say, uh, I was I almost died and I found Jesus. Uh, and that was not my story. I never done, I've never done drugs. I've never had alcohol. One time I had some NyQuil. That stuff is like, whoa, like I would stay away from NyQuil. So I didn't, that wasn't my story. So I was like, no, nah, I'm cool. I ain't going to church, man. Good looking out though. And then his fiance, he was beautiful. She asked me the same question 20 minutes later. She had some kind of accent. Michael Jr., would you like to go to church with us? I was like, I was just looking for a church the other day, lady. Absolutely. So I go to this church for the wrong reasons, man. I don't even know this lady. I go walk into this church and this dude is, up on stage and he talking about Jesus and he's not screaming. He's not yelling. He don't got no perm or nothing. He's just talking about Jesus. Yeah. And then he did an altar call and I really wanted to get my life over to Jesus because it sounded great. But 
I didn't understand it all. And I told my, and I, I told myself I'd read the Bible first. Mm. I didn't even have a Bible. Mm. I didn't know it was that big. <laughs> and then some random lady, a few days later at O'Hare airport, hands me a Bible. Wow. You understand? We never exchanged words. She just handed me a Bible and walked off like the Lone Ranger or somebody. No way. So I started reading this Bible. Wait, hold on. First that's thing so, I read was on, that's such a big part uh-huh. of the story. You're just at the airport and some lady. You're just at the airport Dude, and some yeah. lady comes up to you and hands you a Bible? Like days after dude, you. Some random lady. No way. We never exchanged words, dude. She walked up to me and was like, hmm, and walked off, dude. Wow. I ain't have a Bible. Wow. I just told myself I was going to read the whole thing, didn't have one. And now this lady just randomly gives me one. Oh, my gosh. And then I remember opening up the Bible, the very first page. I was like, okay, what is this? Where was it made at? I'm reading the copyrights. The Bible was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm. Well, me too. I'm like, why could we have met before? <laughs> this is the weirdest thing ever. Dude, so I started digging into the word, reading it, mm. and I'm reading, uh, and I, now I'm, and I'm going to church. So now I'm reading the Bible, going to church, and I really want to get my life over to Jesus. But I told myself I'd read the Bible first. Mm. So I'm reading, I'm going to church, reading, going to church, and then uh, I'm put, so I'm putting in literally 12 to 14 hours a day reading the Bible. Oh my God. All I'm doing is reading the Bible, hitting the comedy clubs. And going to church. That's all I was doing when I lived in New York. I lived there for six months. That's as long as I could afford it. Wow. And then once I was done, like I finished reading the Bible, I remember going up to the altar, like during the announcements at the beginning of church. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it was, I know you got a picnic, but is Jesus here? Because I'm, I'm already there. <laughs> and, and I used to just think I was funny, but I understood in that moment, I am funny for a reason. Mm. There's a purpose for me having this sense of humor mm. like god gave this to me for him and i'm about to figure out how this is going to work out mm. and i have not i mean this and that's how i get down so if you see me anywhere on television in a movie or whatever i'm completely about i'm asking a question what can i give because that's what jesus wants me to ask and that's what he did for me Man. that's powerful bro uh that's that might even be more powerful of a story than the uh I found Jesus in a crack. Not that that's not powerful. That's powerful, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. That is hysterical. Uh, yeah. Uh, dude, you just did the, well, yeah, yes, the selfie dad movie. You've done, you, you've been in movies before, right? Uh, but this was like a, this was a big role for you. Yeah. Yeah. I played the lead role in this movie, selfie dad, man. It was really, really a lot of, really a lot of fun. I think the movie is available. It's available right now on all platforms, man. Yeah. So I get to play this dad who is kind of a, uh, wait, I'll let you ask me a question so we can see the setup. That was good. I was, I'm ready to get into it. I, I, uh, it was, I had a, like a weird deja vu moment as I'm watching it at the beginning of the movie. We're only like five minutes in you're kind of introducing, it's introducing you as the, the lead character. And then you go to work and you go into your office and that's where I recorded my, the dad tired book. The audio book is the, that whole, your whole work office, the Kappa studios and I'm just like tripping. Oh, out. for real? Yeah, I'm like, bro, I've walked in that door a bunch of times. I, you, wow. you go to get a drink out of the cabinet, and I'm like, I touched that mug. I was telling my kids, I was trying to make them think I was cool. Wow. <laughs> I was like, that is crazy. Yeah. My, like, it, it, it lines up perfect because if you think about it, the dad in the movie didn't really take care, pay attention to his daughter, and your daughter is locked <laughs> up in the closet right now while you're doing this interview. <laughs> this, it all lines up. It's crazy. <laughs> full circle yeah uh yeah dude, so that was a yeah. anyway the the uh the movie's good man it's a really really great movie and I, and i think that the everything that you like every scene is basically what we're trying to do in dad tired like if you want a visual representation of what we're trying to talk about in dad tired uh you need to watch selfie dad because it, it's essentially a guy that's trying to lead his family well and he's just he's getting distracted by all kinds of other things like how how much of that the character that you played, uh, how much of that resonates with you just personally as a man, husband and dad? Well, I think it, I think it does, uh, to a, a degree for sure, because even the part when he first, first cracks open a Bible. And, uh, in fact, there's a scene in the movie when you, and there's a scene in the movie, man, it is so awesome. But just on a personal level, at the end of the movie, I start talking, I do a video. So the character is a guy named Ben and he is, he got, he has two kids starts a YouTube channel, it blows up and then he loses uh, and he pretty much gets everything he thought he wanted, but he's losing what he really needs, which is his family. Yeah. Then I do this video at the end. And I'm sure you remember this part where I do my first video and it's about the Bible. 
But there's one, there's a part in there, if you look closely, where I go from Ben to Michael Jr. Mm. when I'm talking about the Bible and what it's done for me. Mm. And I get a little emotional, but that has not been the character. You can see the break when you go back and see it after I've said this. You can see when it happens, though. But when I start, I take a little breath. And that is, and I broke character, but nobody knew it mm. because I was talking about how the Bible has affected my life. And it absolutely unquestionably has affected. I mean, it's changed everything. Here's the thing. I mentioned um, to people that I've, I've graduated high school reading really at a third grade level, almost a fourth grade level. I graduated high school. So reading was, is, has never been uh, my thing. Like, Hey, I'm going to curl up with a book. No, I'm not. I'm going to listen to it. Right. So so reading has never been my thing, but I would read the Bible. Like when I read it, uh, when I was in New York, it took me 36 days to read the Bible, read the whole Bible. Wow. And I didn't really understand much, much of it at all until life started happening. And then that would show up mm -hmm. like those stories and all of that stuff would show up when I had to deal with life. It wasn't like I remembered it like, Oh yes. Uh, Third Romans says, like, I don't remember where it was at. Like, there's, there's no way. Second, the 17th act. What? Third Peter. I don't know that stuff. I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. I couldn't. But it kept showing up, like, in my heart. Listen, whatever you put into your heart is going to show up in your walk. Mm. So even if you don't understand God's word, just get it in your heart because mm. it's going to show up when it's time to do life. In fact, when it comes to Bible study, I highly recommend men don't do it. Mm. I know that sounds weird on the surface. Let me just say this again. Studying the Bible, first of all, sounds miserable. I know. I'm going to just let that sit for a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nobody would probably say it before. It just sounds like we, me and a bunch of dudes, we're going to get together and we're going to just, we're going to read the Bible. Now, some of this is because me and my reading just, but hear me out. The other day, me and some guys got together and we were talking about how to fix something. And it was some, one of the guys was having some sort of, I can't remember exactly what it was in the Bible. God's word kept showing up mm. and it was amazing because all of us love God and we're sitting, Oh, one of the guys was trying to hit a goal with his business and we're talking about it and talking about how to deal with these employees and God's word kept showing up. And I remember looking around at the guys and I thought to myself, we doing Bible study right now. Mm. Because we, we were absolutely doing Bible study. So for me, anyway, not for everybody, Bible study sometimes feels like going to uh, getting the owner's manual out of a car, sitting around a table and reading the owner's manual, Yeah, which is cool. I guess you can get some stuff out of it because, you, because you're going to need that information later on. It's going to show up. So when the taillight goes out or when this thing happens, you know, you'll kind of know what to do versus um, the transmission is slipping or um, oh, let me say this the uh the wipers aren't working right and now five dudes get to sit around a car and talk about how the wipers ain't working mm. and now we get to talk about what we learned in the manual and see if it actually works right. yes it is so much more it just comes alive in such a big way but if you can't do any sort of bible study or get together with guys read the word get it into your heart because it's going to be revealed in your walk. It is amazing how it shows up. Like, it's just amazing. I don't even know how we got to. When we start talking about God's word, I just get. I love that. Like, read it. I'm telling you, fellas, read it, read it, read it. Listen to it. Get it into your heart. If you, if your last resort is to sit around with a bunch of dudes and do a Bible, a regular Bible study, by all means, do that. But if you can liven it up, it, by all means, do it. Because that's what with men like uh, we got to put something around this thing. Well, we need some meat on the bone. Yeah. Well, well reading the owner's manual of a car makes even less sense if you never even plan on getting in the car and driving it. Right. So like, <laughs> uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think that's a powerful oh, that's analogy. Great. I think that's a powerful analogy, man. And that, that is so great. that's what Jesus did, right? Like he didn't just say when he said Peter, Matthew, like when he was calling all his disciples to him, he didn't just say, let's sit around and read the Bible all day, which you would think like, or read the scriptures uh, uh, all day, which, you know, would have, that probably is what most churches do, right? right. Like, Hey, come in here and let's just read, right. let's read scripture all day. But Jesus paired right. the scriptures. He took the scriptures and then he said, now let's go drive the car. Like, let's go read, let's go do this out in real life. Oh, yes. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that is so much more colorful. Yeah. That is so much more, we get to see stuff. And here's the thing, because you've uh, read the manual, 
when you're driving down the street, your ears are more sensitive to what the car is actually mm. doing. Like you will pick up on more stuff because it's in you. You'll be like, well, wait, oh, that blinker on the left is blinking really fast, which means the front one might be out, which means I just need this tool to change it. It's going to be awesome. Mm. Wait a minute. There's another car that blinkers out. I can help that person change their blinker or tell them where, like, you just are so much more sensitive to it, but you, you're right. Dry, you got to actually drive the car. Oh, man, that's so good. Let's write a book together, bro. Obviously, I think this is what God's doing here. Is man, <laughs> that is so good. And and, and I, actually, uh, wrote, I actually wrote a children's book called The Parts We Play, mm. which teaches kids about playing their part because the car has a bunch of different parts, but it doesn't. But they all have to work together. So I wrote this whole book, and then God showed me what my book was about. The book I said, okay, let me take you to Ephesians. I was like, snap. The book was done. It was at the printers. I had to be, I had to call them up literally and be like, wait, stop. Let's change the license plate number. Because the license plate number on the book was my initials. We changed it to Ephesians 4.16, which means jointly work together. Every every part has something to do. So, yeah, man, this mm-hmm. stuff is phenomenal. So, uh, Selfie Dad, the movie, you guys really, really want to check out the movie. Also... I am about, let me say this, I'm all about creating funny content that's going to inspire people to do better. I'm all about that. My whole, my team, everything that we do, I just want to make people, because when people laugh, their heart is open. Mm. And when your heart is open, a deposit can be made. And that's what I'm all about. So I've actually decided, because we've, we've taken some ideas like to Hollywood and some different places and, and uh, some TV shows and some content we wanted to create. And what happens is, more times than not, what they say to us is, well, this stuff is a little too earnest. We don't think anybody will want to watch it. It's a little too uh, inspirational. Mm. I'm like, what? What? I, what? So, what we've, so what I've done so we can continue to create this content, if, you're, if, you're guy, if the guys listening are interested, is I created a Patreon page, which allows people. Are you familiar with Patreon? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I created a Patreon page where people can give so we can continue to create some really cool content and do some amazing stuff. Mm. So one of the things we yeah. do is we go to homeless shelters. Mm. We go to homeless shelters and do comedy at a homeless shelter. We've been to probably six prisons this year. Wow. People are like, why do you take comedy to a prison? Well, it's a captive audience. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to look out for the brothers. So literally, we'll go to prisons. We'll go to, I did, I did a, we did a comedy show at an abused children's facility. And one, mm. one little boy in particular was so afraid his mom had been abusing him and he lived with his grandmother. And she explained to me that one of the things his mom was doing, cause she was all on drugs. She was pulling out his toenails. Mm. And, uh, and she said that when he comes to the show tonight, he's going to have on a Spider-Man costume, full Spider-Man costume. So she gave me a heads up and I get to the show to do the show for the abused children and the caregivers. And there the little boy is right up front, Spider-Man sitting in his grandmother's lap, full costume. Mm. Well, I just show up and start doing comedy and we start laughing slowly but surely and do like 20 minutes into it. Well, first thing I did was I gave a little boy a gift. I gave him one of my books and uh, he came up on stage. He got it and he ran and sat back in his grandmother's lap, still full of Spider-Man costume. We start laughing and now he's in a room full of laughter. Mm. And I can't even imagine the last time he had been in a room like yeah. that. And 20 minutes into it, I hear a voice and the voice says, my name is Ronan. And this little boy pulled his mask off and the, and I'm done. Like everybody is like everybody in the room knows his story. This little boy pulls his mask off and we are done by the end of the show. Me and the guy formerly known as uh, Peter Parker are on the stage break dancing together. Oh my gosh. This little six year old boy, man, because we were able to go to this facility in Montrose, Colorado and do a comedy show. And the grandmother about a year ago, or almost like 14 months ago, out of nowhere, sends me a letter and says, Michael, I just want you to know, since that night, Ronan never put that mask on again. Oh Dude, I'm blown back because God is saying go to these places. Anyway, so the, the way we can go to these places is by people going to our Patreon page and deciding on whatever level you want to be. We're calling them openers. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be a an opener, you can be at the MC level or the feature level, the headline level, and you can just give at whatever level you want. And uh, that'll be, and we just, we're going to make content that's going to inspire people to inspire people. So the Patreon is just patreon.com slash 
uh, Michael Jr. Uh-huh. And uh, and all yeah, and we're just gonna do some. We're not gonna wait for somebody to give us permission to create the content we want to create. We're just gonna create it. So I love it, man. I'll really put excited, I'll put a man. link to that in the notes so people can just find that quickly and give to that. That's amazing, bro. Um, man, Thanks, this has been so good. I uh, I want to give away a, a copy of your book to a listener. So I think. Maybe if I always oh, make cool. this stuff up on the fly. So maybe if somebody, if you share this episode with a friend and you just screenshot it and send it to me, uh, how can they send it to Ooh. me? I always make this stuff up. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, maybe like. Dude, that's just like me. But when people say make it up on the fly, like, are they talking about a bug or are you talking about your zipper? Like, what does that mean exactly? Like, I don't, uh, you just made me think about that. Like, little, gonna, yeah, we'll make it up as I go here. You just yeah. improv it. Yeah, yeah. You just improv it right now. Yeah. Okay, well, let's, let's make it up together. I'll do the first part of it. You do the first part of the sentence. I'll do the second part. Oh. Just don't even think about how they do it. You start, I'll finish. I'm going to put the hard work on you. Okay, I'm going to give away a copy of your children's book if... If you take a picture of having watched this episode and post it to our Facebook page. You got a Facebook page, right? Yeah, yeah, Post it to the Facebook page and say, I was listening to Michael, Dang. I was listening. That's good. And then we're going to send it to you. That's good. We have a dad tired yeah. close Facebook group. If you take a picture, wait, do they need to take a picture of themselves? I overcomplicate things like just a screenshot or them actually picture like a selfie self. We need to yeah. do a selfie selfie dad. Yes. A selfie of you, uh, watching this, just a selfie of you in this screen, post it. And then you are the one who wins. You're the one who will get sent to a Michael James a children's book called the varsity play. There it is. Yeah. Bro, this has been or, so Or just yeah. leave a post saying, I didn't know. Leave a post saying, I didn't know what y'all was talking about, but I want the book. <laughs> Listen, and then the first one to do that, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> we should have read the manual on how to do that. <laughs> That's what we probably should have did. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, this is so good, man. I'm so grateful to meet you and that God crossed our paths. And uh, I, yeah. I laughed and I cried. And uh, and you and you brought me closer yeah. to Jesus, man. And I have a feeling you're going to do that with the Lord. Hey, man, you've got skills on this. You got skills on this interview thing too, man. Very, uh, you help people feel very relaxed and ready to have a conversation. Mm. I suppose like it didn't feel like work at all. Mm. So praise God, man. So That's you're great. doing like you're lined up doing what you're supposed to be doing, like for real, man. So I would leave everybody with saying, ask yourself, what are you asking yourself? Mm. Like literally, are you asking yourself what can you get, or are you purposely saying what can I give in whatever area of life it is? And if you don't know the answer to which question you're asking, I think you know the answer to what question you're asking. By default, since the fruit we've been asking, what can I get? But if you choose to ask a different question, you're going to get different answers and therefore different results. So ask yourself, what are you, what am I asking myself? There's nothing more that I can say to that. So good. Michael, thank you for being here, bro. This was so good, man. Yo, you're awesome, dude. You got skills for real. I appreciate you. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that episode. If you have a friend that loves to laugh and who could also be encouraged in their dad journey, make sure to send this episode over to them. I love you guys. I'll see you next week.